Our text this morning is Ephesians 1. We'll uh, give him opportunity to do that. And... I'll let you turn there. Wow. I'll tell you, um, we're continuing in Ephesians this morning. Um, last time we were there corporately with me here was August 2008. And we're going to pick up kind of where we were. So I'm going to encourage you to maybe go back and listen uh, to those sermons. They're August 3rd and August 10th of 2008. Uh, you can get the podcast. or uh, They're online at our uh, website. It'll give you some background. I'm going to recap a little bit, but you need uh, more uh, as, we, as we work through this. There he is. Um, before we read our text, I just wanted to tell you what I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for and praying for this morning uh, as we walk through this, uh, that God would give us ears to hear. And when I say that, and you see that in Scripture, the ears to hear is, you know, you're, you're hearing with understanding. And we know we're dependent on God's Spirit uh, to help us in that and to provide that. But I'm praying for that this morning. We'd have ears to hear and hearts to follow Christ. And in this matter of Christ's efficiency, that we'd be given wisdom and knowledge to know it, to be known by it. Um, let's read Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved, the beloved being Christ. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might 
that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I know this morning there's potential. While this text should be very, very, very comforting to us, there's a lot of potential for it to cause some of us to be distressed. And that can be a good thing. If we've been leaning on ourselves, if self-sufficiency kind of marks us, it can be a good thing if it moves us towards Christ. Um, there's another potential, probably far worse, that you may sit here this morning and you'll be indifferent to the Word of God. That you'll walk out of here unchanged and you'll be, as you leave, just as you came. The past few weeks, um, I'll say especially because they're recent for me. God is defining for us this body at this point in time who we're to be, what we're to look like. I hope, you, I hope you guys are getting, I don't know if all of you have email, but I hope you guys are getting the Shepherd's Guide emails. In those are some really good questions. Ben shared one. Just a simple question. In Christ or just around Christ? It's pretty weighty. Scott, as he took us through Romans 14... He asked us, are we despising our brother? Are we judging our brother based on our convictions? And what do we do with our Christian liberties? The freedoms we have in Christ. Are they precious to us? Are they between God and ourselves? Or are they becoming an idol to us? Or there's something we want to put on display, maybe in front of our weaker brother, where it might cause him to stumble. Are we top line or bottom line people? Brad asks us, why are you doing what you're doing? Whose sake is it for? Is it for his name's sake or your own? And I'll tell you, when I'm taking all that in and I'm walking through and looking at this text... I have concerns. Because while I know why I'm, when I share this word, I know I'm sharing truth. When I'm reading this text, now all these other things I say, test. Make sure that the things I say, they're not written right here. You test. But when I'm sharing the word with you, you're hearing truth. But I'm learning by experience that for some of you, it's falling on deaf ears. And for some of you, you're satisfied with just hanging around Christ. And for some of you, your Christian liberties have become an idol. 
You want to put them on display. Constantly in front of everybody with no thought to your brother. Rather than take someone to Scripture and walk them through lovingly, you're going to throw something at their feet that may cause them to stumble. For some of you, you come to serve your passions, your desires, and you're here for your sake. See, our hope when we share the word, when we preach and teach the word of God, that we are constantly reconciling our life and our walk to that word. That's why we gather corporately and we gather in small groups and we pour over this word. You know we have a very high view here of, of working verse by verse, truth by truth. There's a reason we do that. Hebrews says we need to put those things into practice. We need to put the word into practice. And by doing so, we become mature. So our hope is that we're engaging this truth moment by moment, day by day, in your walk. For some of you, that seems pretty lofty. We're called to pray without ceasing. Is that our heads about, our eyes closed, driving the car, whatever? No, praying without ceasing. It's constant communication with God. We're aware of his presence. We put his word in, him, in our hearts. It's when the Holy Spirit prompts us. We're ready to be obedient. At the very least, we're hoping that at some point in your day, hopefully daily, you know, there's this thought, maybe in the direction of God. The one that some of you call creator, savior, your hope, your redeemer, your healer, your provision, your sustainer. There's comfort in that. Are all in all. Some observations. Some of you are going to have a hard time engaging the word just in the next few minutes. Some of you are going to walk out of here today with no intention to look at his word again this week. Some of you are going to work, walk out of here with no intention to engage your family, your fellowship, somebody you may happen to pass by that's in need, for his name's sake, because you're too busy. What you're pursuing is your life, your desires, your passions.
in part one, we focused on what it means to be in Christ. In verse 3, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So I have a question. Uh, we read here, To those in Christ you've been blessed with, Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What are those? What do we read here? We were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Where are we in that? Before the foundation of the world. The picture came to mind, and Ben has shared this before. The picture came to mind how... Sometimes we have this view of Jesus knocking on the door. Please, oh please, oh please, oh please let me in. Please, oh please, let me be your Savior. Where were we before the foundation of the world? We were at God's mercy. At what point before the foundation of the world did you place yourself in Christ? We read, we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Not just that, but that we would be holy and blameless before the Father. We would be, not could be. Why? He predestined our adoption as sons according to what? His will. Like I said, I know sometimes these verses can comfort and sometimes they can distress you. Some of us have a lot of baggage that goes along with this word salvation. Okay, I'm not going to dwell here this morning. Go back and listen to part one. But you need to know, when you grab hold of it, when you grab that back, are you worthy? Is your sacrifice worthy? Verse 7, and this is where we pick up this morning. Hang with me. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Redemption is whose? <coughs> Ours. By whose blood? His. Forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Whose forgiveness? Ours. Whose grace? His. He's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. That's why I love Ephesians 1. It's, it's God's plan, God's purpose and plan. I pray that God gives you insight and wisdom and knowledge and understanding of that. Because it's a great big, it's not about you. 
Steve Roberts, it's not about you. I'm God. I'm the creator. I'm taking care of it. This is my purpose and my plan. This is my son. Do you want to offer something else? The mystery he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Fullness of time. This isn't a plan for a little while. It's going to change. There's going to be something else. God wasn't caught off guard, but caught off guard by the garden. Christ was with him before the foundation of the world. And God's going to carry out his plan. He's faithful. Plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things in earth. And there's more. We've obtained an inheritance. Again, predestined according to the purpose of who? Him. God. Who works all things according to the counsel of His will, not mine. So that we might be to the praise of His glory. We always want to keep this peace, this peace of this plan to ourselves. And it's difficult. And I have a hard time even sharing this with you because I know the baggage a lot of us carry. I didn't read anything about the will of man. And in fact, the only thing I read about the will of man in the Word is not effective for salvation. Salvation is not based on your merit, your effort, your desire, no matter how well-intentioned it may be. But look at the richness of God's gift to you. Are you seeing in this text the sufficiency of Christ? Because see, if you take it back and you take a little piece of it and make being in Christ dependent on you, you've diminished Christ. You've diminished God's purpose and his plan. I addressed some of the responses to that in, in, in part one. Go back and listen. Because I know there are some that will say, is it really love? It's not true love unless we choose Christ. See, God didn't let us know who that is, who's in Christ. He gives us things to look at and say, this is something that should look like my people. So he gives us this ability to discern and maybe confront you with things that are sin in the Word. But I can't know your heart. I can't know if you're in Christ. I 
I can't tell you what you look like. Sometimes. But you can fake me out. See, our hope is that my hope this morning would be that everybody I'm sharing with this morning is in Christ. That's my hope. Or maybe God's drawing you to himself and his spirit is poised right now to give you revelation, to open your eyes to who he is. A Romans 8, 16 moment, his spirit is going to bear witness with your spirit. You're my child. It's my hope. Knowing that some of you, you won't hear. And some of you are sitting here and you're comfortable and there's a pointed day when you're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do mighty works in your name? And you're going to hear him say, depart from me, I never knew you. I'm hoping this morning that this gift God's given us gift of redemption in Christ this inheritance we have in him we've been made co-heirs with Christ we're sitting at the table do you know the body's been given to you for your blessing that's what we're to be so I'm hoping that you're walking in the blessing of the body of Christ I hope you're finding joy in being spent to Christ. To the body, for the body, for his name's sake. I pray that's joy. I'm hoping that you find great pleasure in ministering grace. A grace you've shared in. In the body, it looks like bearing one another's burdens. Having everything in common. Here it says showing love for all the saints. But let me share with you some observations. Some of you will only be a part of something that serves you. A consumer. Some of you are burdened by the thought of giving up something or giving towards something for the sake of the body. It's a burden. Some of you will take every opportunity to bring disunity in the fellowship. You'd rather tear your brother down than build him up. Some of you can sit here this morning and tolerate judgment and hate for somebody who sits on the other side of the room this morning. Holding on to that rather than responding to the offer of reconciliation.
in some of our marriages, which are to be a picture of relationship of Christ to the church. Some of you husbands, you spew absolute filth and insults at your bride. Some of you lash out fits of rage and anger. Husband, wife. Some of you will break your covenant and wallow in marital unfaithfulness. And what can make all this worse is you can do it and claim to be justified because you've been wronged. Some of you will be exhausted by the thought of one more effort or one more gathering that involves the body. All the while, you have time to stay up all night playing video games, bloodbath video games, endless updates, status updates, tweets, taking your family in two different directions to go with 15 activities your kids need to be in. Some of these things aren't bad in and of themselves. But you sacrifice the body. You sacrifice sacrifice the things that you do for his name's sake. You can innocently party with your peeps. It's one of those cool new words, peeps. And you take pictures and you put them everywhere. You can party hardy. But man, it's tough to have time for the body. See, my hope this morning is you're pursuing holiness. So we've been commanded to do so. First Peter 1.15 says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. How's it happen? Being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Living out, putting the word into practice. Actually obeying it. Submitting to those who keep watch over your souls. Because they're going to give an account. The word tells you to submit so that they can do this with joy and without groaning. Observations. Some of you are diving headlong into sin, even public sin, with no regard for the consequences you bring on yourself your family, your fellowship, 
your testimony. And when you're confronted about this sin, some of you, no repentance, not even remorse. Your response is to break fellowship with people you call your brothers and sisters and to turn away from the one you claim is your Lord and Savior. I know some of you are waiting for, okay, when's he going to start talking about this all-sufficient grace? Because it's true. The grace we've read about, this thing that's been given to us, given to us, is sufficient. It's all sufficient. But if you want it to make you feel good about your sin, that's not coming. But the good news this morning is, it's not about you. It has everything to do with you, but it's not about you. It's about a holy God who's adopted us, given us an inheritance, and blessed us with every blessing in his kingdom, his household. Like I said before, co-heirs with Christ. We've been made perfect in Christ. We've been made perfect without blemish before our God by the blood of Christ. His sacrifice. Thank you, Scott. Very appropriate this morning. Ministered to me. The thing that caught my mind was a sacrifice of fools. You know, we want to grab things back from a holy God. And his provision, the sufficiency that Christ is to be, we want to grab it back and say, Lord, look at me. Some of these observations I've made, if you're in Christ, that's your sacrifice. That's what it looks like. It's blemished. This is your response. It's blemished. Yeah, his grace can cover it all, but is that the sacrifice we want to offer? My hope is that there's ears to hear this morning. My hope is I went through some of those observations. Some of them you may recognize. I do. And my hope is that as you recognize those, it sickens you a little bit. Because if you're mad, you're miffed, and you think it was just brought up to be an example about you, or even worse, you think I'm talking about everybody else in the room. It 
We need to fall on our knees before a holy God. If we cling to sin, it's an enemy to our faith. It's an enemy to our confidence. Why? That's why many of us, we struggle with this salvation thing. We've made it dependent, on, dependent upon us, our will, our sacrifice. We say we don't, but we do. Because we muddle right there. We muddle around right there. And we'll entertain sin. Robs you of your peace. So my hope this morning is that you're seeing in this text Christ is sufficient. Fully sufficient. If you're going to turn loose of self-sufficiency, and that can just be one little iota. My hope, too, is that your response is not based on your circumstance or some event. Because what do we know about those things? They're going to change, right? Paul said he's learned to be content in plenty when he's got all he needs. Maybe overflowing. He's learned to be content in a little or going without. It's faith. It's trust. We trust in self-sufficiency or Christ-sufficiency. So how do we walk These observations, they're not hypothetical. You've seen them. You've done them. You are them. Colin shared something with me yesterday, my son. Something that someone had shared with him. You know, it's okay to fall stumble. It's not okay to stay there. When we're trying to be self-sufficient, we're trying to do these things on our own, we're going to fall short. There's no rest. There's no peace. There's no confidence in that. If you would for a minute, just bow your head and close your eyes. I want to read the last part of Ephesians 1 again. This is just so you can kind of focus and hear this. This is a prayer, really. Paul is writing to the Ephesians. And God to you. For this reason, 
Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. <coughs> Father, this morning, I pray that you will deliver us from ourselves. Father, I pray that the flesh we're so good at feeding, would be starved by the power of your Spirit in praise of your glorious grace. Father, I pray that sin would so sicken us that we would beat ourselves into submission to you. God, you alone are worthy. You alone are faithful. And you alone are to be praised. Father, I pray that you would humble us with this word. Father, I pray that our sin is unbearable. Father, as you pointed out, we'd fall on our prideful and arrogant faces before you. Father, help us to step out of any self-sufficiency that's in us and trust you. Father, we thank you this morning for Christ in whom we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Father, we're thankful for adoption as sons. Father, this morning we're thankful for your purpose and plan for those in Christ. Father, I pray for ears to hear, hearts to follow, a body ready to be spent to you for your name's sake and to be a blessing for the body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a real faith journey in preaching, and uh, sometimes you may not be privy to what's involved um, and how it kind of grows the preacher away from himself. But one of the things I enjoyed about this morning is hearing that word from probably who's the most gentle elder among us. I'm telling you, it'd be like a real faith display if I'm actually gentle. 
It's contrary to who I am naturally, the natural Ben. And the natural Steve is not confrontational. But the word confronted this morning through that messenger. One of the things I enjoyed this morning is that that message was sort of Paul-like. Paul said, him we proclaim, speaking of Christ, we proclaim, we do that week by week, warning everyone. Today was a warning. Teaching everyone with all wisdom. And we don't do that just for fun. Paul said, we do that that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That song that we just sang and just belted out at the top of our lungs, when that bride comes entering in at that wedding bell, that we're presentable. That's what a good stern warning is about. We can stroke the people of God week by week, and yet we got, we're ugly, man. We got bad breath, bedhead, sin all over us. And the reality is, I'm going to share a passage from the page in front of where Steve preached from this morning. Galatians chapter 6, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. One of the things I appreciated from that passage that Steve preached from this morning is, yes, man, there's a picture of grace, but there's also a picture of holiness and blamelessness. We were saved for holiness and blamelessness, for his name's sake, to put grace and mercy on display, not to bathe in this up yours, God, grace. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to give the church a little dabble. I'm going to give the things of God a little taste I'm going to throw some scraps at you. And God says, I will not be mocked. You know, the result of combining grace and holiness and blamelessness together as you really take it all in one meal is there's a brokenness because there's not a one of us in here that's qualified. There's a very real brokenness that should be characteristic of the people of God, even a good holy sorrow. Jesus was a man of sorrows. If we're going to be Christ-like, guess what? As you come in contact with your humanity, you will be sorrowful. You'll be broken at your own sinfulness. But then at the same time, there's a sweet hope. A hope in a finished work, in blood that's already been shed, and in a Christ that's especially seated at the right hand of the Father. Sorrowful hope, a hopeful brokenness. What's at stake that Steve engaged this morning is that this is no joke. Church is not a thing that you do. It's not a place that you go. It's a people that you are. And this is no joke, this journey that we're on. It can become so routine and so mundane that we can live right next to the cross. We can be around this Christ and never really be in him. Raging after him, reveling in him, encouraging one another, begging each other to encourage us. This is about life. It's about the God that made us. It's about eternity. Man, I hope you got that this morning.